know that in any timeline, any universe, any Jack Setsmith will hate Spike Trevay. And I will burn your empire to the ground. We've done this before, haven't we? You don't have anything I want. And until you do, I'm never, ever, ever going to fight you. But I have someone who will. And as long as Spike has me, he's gonna have someone who does his job very fucking well. This has to fucking end, man! You have to give him to me! Don't dictate to me, Riptide. You don't dictate to me, Sexsmith. I dictate to you. And the result I want is Spike Trevay, Brighton champion. I'm going to walk into the Riptide Rumble. I'm going to walk out number one contender. The only thing he wants in Riptide is that Brighton championship. So I guess I'll be landed into the Riptide Rumble. Yeah! Welcome to episode 34 of the British Wrestling Experience on postwrestling.com. I'm your host, Martin Bushby, and joining me is Richard Benson, a.k.a. Benno. And, uh, Benno, your superstar status on these shows has been completed this week as a few people tweeted us, and it seems that Aldi are now producing a beer in your honour. I was wondering where you were going there. <laughs> I haven't bought it myself yet. I mean, when I was a kid growing up, I remember there was lots of... I used to get lots of teasing about Benson's for beds. And uh, Benson's <laughs> edges, but I never knew that there'd be a beer coming out. Yeah, the Benno beer. Uh, I love them. There's a, I think there's an uh, a cabinet in the in um, where is it? Oh, there's definitely a Benno cabinet. I think it's I think it's actually IKEA who've got it. Uh, so they were the first on the Benno train. But yeah, I'd definitely be up for the beer if I, if uh, anyone spots them in a, in anywhere local to them. Let me know because they didn't have them in the uh, the closest one to me. Oh yeah, you need to get that name trademark. Definitely, it seems uh, there's a lot of money in it. But um. <laughs> I mean, um, but moving on, I mean, you thought Ronaldo joining Juventus, Bryce Harper signing with the Phillies, and Disney purchasing Fox might seem like the biggest acquisitions of the past 12 months, but they've got nothing on our latest signing. Our now permanent co-host, the Irish superstar himself, Jamesy, is now fully on board with this show uh, full-time. So, Jamesy, welcome welcome aboard full-time. Thanks a million, guys. Delighted to be here. Um, I don't have any beers named after me, unfortunately, but I'm willing for any beer companies who want to contact the podcast to sponsor <laughs> me. Um, but yeah, just great to be here, guys. Absolute honour to be asked. And as I said, it's 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 just a very enjoyable thing for me to do every two weeks. Delighted to be here. Yeah, and uh, great to have you on board. But I mean, uh, before we get into the Brit Rest stuff, uh, the big news that dropped this morning that the artist formerly known as Dean Ambrose, John Moxley, is back dropping a, a very well-produced video. He's no, no stranger to Europe. He appeared for WXW a number of times uh, in 2009-2010. And I've got to say, really, I wasn't following much of John Moxley's career back then. I mean, Benno was uh, Moxley someone who was on your radar back when he was appearing for CZW and WXW. He was to a point. Like, uh, you know, I'd see bits of him from, you know, the Gabe shows and obviously know about him as a, as a strong promo. It was more the promos that kind of caught my eye. Uh, I know he did some of the deathmatch stuff and he was a, a name. Um, to be honest, like, I think that the first time he really caught my attention was when he was cutting those promos against Mick Foley when he was first going into WWE mm-hmm. and they were trying to build something. 
Um, it didn't turn into anything, obviously. You know, money on the table there. It's uh, WWE, unfortunately. They left it there. Um, but yeah, he kind of went in with a lot of buzz and he had a, a good run in WWE. But yeah, I think the, from the bits that I've seen on him and from this promo video, really excited to see him uh, be out there on the indies, mixing it up. And it just kind of tells you everything, doesn't it, about how the landscape has changed now that it's a, a viable option for, for somebody like him to just yeah turn, turn WWE down and, and walk away and walk into kind of the, the wild world uh, out there. So, yeah, probably probably expect him to, to see him on, on, on indie shows near us, hopefully at some point soon. James, he was uh, Moxley someone who, who you were uh, watching much in 2009. That was a time when my my kind of relationship with indie wrestling was kind of had kind of dropped almost um when roh like for a long time for me like i mean we've talked before about how myself and benno got to know each other <laughs> through roh and, and yeah. for, for me for a long time roh was indie wrestling you know and there wasn't a thriving indie wrestling scene beyond roh pwg had a little bit czw and when when roh kind of waned my interest in the independent scene waned quite a lot and it was only really after he'd been signed that my interest mm-hmm. kind of came back up I, i've seen some of his better stuff back in that kind of thing and i think it's it's the character stuff again like benno said it's the character stuff that would interest me mm-hmm. the most i mean his work in his in-ring work in wwe w- would have left me very very cold particularly at the end i think mm-hmm. he's a guy who he was really coasting there for a long long time you know he was um i, I couldn't tell you like outside of the, the Shield six-man matches, what are the great Dean Ambrose singles matches? I remember there being a quite a good Triple H match there a while back, just prior to a WrestleMania a few years ago. But his singles resume isn't huge, you know, but but I think there's definitely, like when you see, we'll probably talk about him later in the podcast, when you see the stuff David Starr is doing now yes. with those videos, he's, these promo videos, a guy like him coming onto the scene and cutting similar, I mean, and I mean that, that the, the, the hype video that we saw that just came out this morning was incredible, you know, really, really good stuff. Um, so more of that, you know, and, and a guy with his level of creativity can't be bad on the indies, you know, and I, I presume it's AEW he's going to. I think somebody said Dave Meltzer had had the scoop on the video almost immediately. It was almost as if he'd been given the heads up by somebody and <laughs> that kind of sets alarm bells ringing that probably AEW is where he's going to end up and a great acquisition for them, you know. I mean, you mentioned David Starr, then I'd love to see them too. I don't know if they've faced off before, but I don't think they are. But I mean, the mm. creativity, those two come up, the videos, the promo battles, I just think those two together would mm. be uh, it'd be fantastic uh, in any promotion, really. I suppose uh, the most common one they have got is WXW or CZW, so I suppose mm. that'd be fantastic if they came together in, in either of those promotions. But um, yeah. yeah, I kind of hope that he doesn't just go straight to AEW and we do get a few sort of tours of uh, you know Moxley over here in the UK and around Europe. That'd be fantastic before he you know, signs with, with another company, that'd be that'd be great. But I suppose uh so it's gonna have to wait on see on that. And um I mean for the rest of the show we've got uh tons to get into this week. So uh let's go with our first review. Uh Riptide Wrestling is a promotion based at Brighton. Uh we've mentioned them a couple of times on this show, been running for a couple of years now and the whole show's every two months or so. Most notable, really, I think, for their excellent, almost cinematic production for their uh, VOD service. And uh, they held their second annual Riptide Rumble show on the 12th of April in Brighton. And, uh, 
I mean, we'll get more in depth into the card in a minute, but a promotion I've been meaning to check out more and more, and the production on this VOD was absolutely fantastic. Some great use of smoke and lighting to create a unique atmosphere, I feel like, Benno. Yeah, I think that's the, the big thing about Riptide. It's the it's the presentation that, that always stands out, isn't it? Uh, that plus all the ads for, was it the Bison Beer House? Uh, desperate <laughs> when I go to that place after watching their VOD. Uh, but yeah, it's... They do a lot of things right. It's like they've created their own little universe, really. Uh, they describe themselves, don't they, as, as you say, cinematic wrestling. And that's what it is, really. You know, uh, say great lighting, great camera work, no commentary, which has its positives and, and negatives, as we'll probably get into in a minute when we talk about a couple of the details from the show. But all in all, yeah, it's its, its own unique space. That's what I really enjoyed about watching the show and about them in general as a promotion. They, they really do have a, a good handle on both presentation and on who they use as well. You know, good use of, of talent that maybe doesn't get used best elsewhere. Good use of strong characters. Uh, there's a lot there with Riptide, both yeah, in the in the presentation and in who they use that just sets them out from the pack and just makes, as soon as you put one of their shows on, it just feels different. I mean, uh, aside from the Royal Rumble-style match itself, which was the main event of the show, the big match from this one was uh, Riptide champion... Chuck Mambo facing off against TK Cooper. I mean, they had vignettes all the way through the show leading up to this. The story being that they're both friends, but Chuck Mambo is seemingly more into the friendship than TK. And uh, the match itself was a real eye-opener for me. I've got to say, in in larger promotions such as Progress, I mean, these two have been really treading water the past six months. But they put on an excellent match here in front of a packed-out crowd mm. who created a, a really good atmosphere here, Jamesy. <laughs> Yeah, um, I I really really like this match. It um, like you said, Martin. You know, Chuck Mambo and Chuck Mambo and TK Cooper are guys that, if you'd said to me before I watched this VOD, there's a really good Chuck Mambo Chuck Mambo TK Cooper match. I kind <laughs> of probably would have raised my eyebrows and and, and doubted it. Um, but I think the great thing about this match was it felt important. It felt like there were stakes involved it felt like they were telling a story. And mm. I think when you have, it, it, it just shows, I think this match, it shows that if even if you have guys that are seen as as maybe limited in ring, if you make them matter and if you tell a story with them, you can produce something really compelling. And I think it was really like, I had I had seen a couple of Riptide shows from, from early last year, um, but I hadn't followed the product in general in a long time. So I, I was kind of dropping into this show, not really knowing any of the storylines. I had a vague idea of some of the factions, but they did those little videos that you mentioned, Martin, throughout the show. Just simple little ca- single camera, uh, right up in, in each guy's face and just asking them questions about the relationship, about um, about what it means to be the, the Riptide champion, you know, um, asking Cooper, will you do whatever it takes to win this match, you know, so they're sowing the seed there, which is more important to Cooper, his friendship or the title. And then in the match itself, it kind of becomes apparent that it, it kind of turned into a heel turn for Cooper and it um, it was done really well. You know, um, I liked the fact that there was, they brought in the, the injured leg, Mambo kind of slipped early in the match and tweaked his knee and then it was a kind of a thing, will Cooper go after this knee or not? And of course he does. He goes straight after the knee and Mambo sells it really well. Um, Cooper, as the match goes on, becomes more and more of an asshole. It's kind of like he can almost 
smell the title and, and it kind of clouds his vision. He throws the friendship to one side and he kind of, he's very underhand, like, you know, just, just when he's about to, when Mambo's about to make a comeback, he'll go straight back to the knee and stomp on it. Um, mm. And yeah, just, just excellent storytelling and, you know, a, a great achievement, I think, to, to, build these guys up these kind of you know they're in a faction called escaping the midgard which i think is a terrible name <laughs> but it shows i really don't like that name for a faction i think it's it's you're almost burying yourselves just by definition almost mm. but um in fairness to them by putting this match on they are escaping the midgard you know and they're um yeah i, I just i just it was a real surprise to me that i enjoyed this match and and a great achievement on on, the, on both guys part and as a part of the company to get me so invested in a company that I hadn't watched in a long time. Mm. I think the difference there with them too, and what made me get invested the same as you, James, is just the different, you know, the presentation of, of them's a lot better than you see elsewhere, but both wrestlers felt like they had a different air of confidence in there. They yeah. both feel a lot more comfortable in their own skin in there. I'm, I'm with you. I hate the escape the mid card stuff. Uh, TK Cooper got that. I think they started that when he was. They were trying to push him as a main eventer in progress. That's always been my problem with that. With that, he kind of undercut himself, didn't he? Um, and his presentation of himself isn't the best. You know, branded himself like that. Branded himself in in other promotions. Uh, it's not really worked. But yeah, there was for me just something different here. Uh, just a different level from the two of them that I, I didn't really know they had. Um, mm. Yep. I think I think part of it is it's the presentation, as you said, it's the build, it's the you know something as simple as those sit down promos throughout the show do help tell the story. I mean, one thing I mentioned on the intro there was you know this show notably no commentary. Uh, you'd be hard pressed for me to find good British wrestling commentary uh, from <laughs> most promotions across the country, so I'm not going to complain too hard, but. In this, it didn't really matter too much in this case because in this match, because you've had that build of the promos, me being someone who, you know, same as you, jumped in once or twice with, you know, previous Riptide shows. We talked them, I think, one off on our, on our show before. Uh, didn't really know the story coming in. I got it because of those promos. Yeah. So when it came down for the match, I didn't need a commentator to explain it to me. I could see, you know, the story of, you know, the their friendship and that TK, you know, like being tempted to go for the leg and essentially be de facto heel in the match. It all, it all made a lot of sense to me. And yeah, I was invested. Uh, it, it just, like you said, Jamesy, it would take a lot in any other environment for me to be hugely invested in a Chuck Mambo versus TK Cooper match. I could imagine it going on third in progress and me being tempted to skip oh, over yeah. it. But here, it meant something, and yeah, I think credit to the promotion, to the video packages, and to be honest, to the two wrestlers there as well, because they did yep. come across like stars in the set. Well, that's one of the main two things that I took from this promotion, that you, none of us have really been following it that much, and, you know, we got the, the storylines were uh, well shown in a lot of vignettes, not just this one, but um, obviously they had... Um, Another storyline between Spike Trevay and uh, Jack Sexsmith, and um, I immediately got what was going on there as well. So, you know, what's off to them for, uh, you know, making it really accessible for first-time viewers. And and then the other thing that I noticed, it does really let guys who we might have written off in bigger promotions like Progress and others, it really, really lets them shine. I mean, also all over this show and feuding with Jack Sexsmith, as I noted there, is Spike Trevay, who I thought was great as the dick heel who the crowd here gained plenty of mic time, also had a pretty decent opening match against Jordan Brakes. Jordan Brakes, someone who I haven't seen much of before, but I thought was good as well. And it was great that, and it's like you noted there, Benno, they seem to be a lot more confident, this confidence that they don't seem to have in progress. And I thought that they really shone through in this one. I mean, 
Also, we also had a three-way tag match for the uh, tag, tag team titles. Uh, Aussie Open against CCK against C- uh, Team White Wolf. And this went really, really short, didn't it? But, um, Jamesy, were you saying that this was where Kid Lycos picked up his new injury, which has uh, forced him to retire? I think so, yeah. And, I mean, you, you, I think you can... I had it in my head that this was a match, so I was kind of watching out for it um, as the match was going on. And the match was going great. I mean, they, they were just going all out for a spot fest, basically. Mm. Uh, moves all over the place, you know, no, no tag-ins necessary in the match. I think they announced it as Lucha Rules. And then there's just a really innocuous spot where you see Lycos kind of just clutch his arm. And then the you can hear that it's a really hot. The other great thing about Riptide is it's a really loud, noisy, hot crowd for mm. for every match for everyone, and you could you could hear every the, the room kind of just get really hushed, and the, the crowd it's like the air went out of the room for a few minutes, and and Lycos disappeared. You didn't see him in the ring then again, and they kind of just they seemed to just they got a bit lost in the match for a couple of minutes and then just went very quickly to a finish then, you know, so just a very sad thing, you know, and, and the, the last we will see of Lycos wrestling for, for the foreseeable future, I guess. And um, also on the show, we had a uh, Jimmy Avert waving goodbye to the promotion in, in quite an emotional promo as he uh, teamed with Session Goth Martina, who was replacing Ginny to face off against Paul Robinson and Chikara. Fun match, I mean, most notable seeing Ginny being the fan favourite here, which is something we don't normally get to see. And uh, But Avak at the end got on the mic after and said he, he'd be back soon if he gets fired and that uh, Ginny was not only a really good friend, but also uh, one of the most best people that he's trained. I mean, uh, not often that we get to see Jimmy Avak cutting emotional promos, Benno. Yeah, uh, I enjoyed that element of it. Uh, this was maybe the match that lost me a little bit on the show with the lack of, lack of commentary, I would say. I didn't really understand what was going on, what the, the scenario was, why Ginny couldn't wrestle. I got the inside joke of, I think, WWE had a show, did they, maybe within seven days? Mm-hmm. Was that what they were they were aiming for? I didn't get why they were a team. I didn't get why the other two were a team. It took a bit of reading afterwards for it to make sense for me. Uh, but it was. It was just a throwaway tag anyway. It was, you know, a chance to do some comedy spots with uh, with Jimmy Havoc and Session Martina. And, yeah, to get the, the big Jimmy Havoc promo at the end. Uh, I've got to say, with Havoc, I think it's... He, I mean, he, jo- he jokes about, doesn't he, that, you know, he's probably going to get fired anyway from AEW. So I do feel like we're going to see him again at some point. Um, it is interesting that he's taking the break, whether it's, I'm guessing it's, you know, AEW enforced, maybe he's going to be in the US full time, whether he'll keep his MLW dates as well would be, would be interesting too. Uh, but nice for him to get his goodbye moments. Obviously he'll have another bigger one coming up at Progress too. Um, but at the same time with Jimmy Havoc, He's done everything you could possibly do yeah. in Brit Res. <laughs> so it's not really this. I, I want to say that, you know, it was emotional for the people in the crowd and it looked emotional for Jimmy Havoc. But for me, it was kind of, I'm not saying good riddance, but I'm kind of saying, uh, I'm not, not that sad to see him go. Um, but, you know, maybe it'd be, it'd be best for, for all involved that if, yeah, if he does go away, makes his money with AEW and he, and he can come back the returning hero. Uh, maybe that will be the, maybe the fact that it's happening isn't the worst thing in the world. So uh, wrapping up the show for the main event was the 30-person Rumble match, uh, which was won by Jack Sexsmith, who uh, was confronted by Spike Treve, who said he would finally face him if he puts his uh, title shot that he won through the Rumble on the line. And uh, 
I mean, all Rumble matches are mostly the same, aren't they? I mean, I've got to say, I did, you know, I, I did get quite the uh, pop out. I've seen former kids TV presenter Dave Benson Phillips turning <laughs> up in the number 30 slot, where it was a highlight here for me, and until TK Cooper came out and took his place. But, um, I mean, all in all, in all, an enjoyable show. I mean, I don't know if you've got any uh, thoughts on the Rumble, Jamesy. Uh, the Rumble itself was fun. I think what they did well was they kept the entrance coming nice and quick. Like I, I'd say there was maybe 30 seconds between entrance at most. So they weren't given, you know, the full two minutes like you might get on a WWE Rumble. It was nice and quick, nice and snappy. Um, having such a hot crowd was good, I think, because literally everybody that came out got a huge reaction, you know. So it was it, it just... Mm. It, it was it was well put together. You know, these things, like, it's easy for WWE to put these things together because they've got loads and loads of agent, agents and that kind of thing. On an indie show, it must be a nightmare trying to coordinate <laughs> 30 people. You know, like a, a, a backstage area of a busy of a busy um, promotion, you know. Uh, I thought they did it really well. It, 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 it kept flowing all the time. They they kind of they put all the comedy wrestlers in a bunch in the middle together kind of, so you had Gene Money and Sugar Dunkerton. They, they kind of you know they kept it light during the middle, and then the more serious wrestlers came in at the end. Um, and, and the like the ending of the show I, I I thought was really good. You know Spike Trevay who's all over the show like he was in the opener. They I think they, his his faction kind of turned on Chris Ridgeway in the middle of the show, and then at the end of the show he comes out and he kind of um, he goads. Sexsmith in, into wrestling him. The, the impression I get is that is that Sexsmith is that he's is it that Sexsmith won't wrestle him. No, it was uh, that Trevay wouldn't wrestle Sexsmith. It's that Trevay, sorry, yeah. exactly. That, that, that Trevay wouldn't wrestle him, exactly. And he gives him the chance. To, he said, um, you know, I, I let you wrestle me if you if you put your title shot on the line, you know, and um, like. I want to watch that next show. Having seen that that closing to the thing, I, I want to see Sexsmith against Spike Trevay. And that's another match, just like Mambo against TK Cooper. That's not a match I would normally have been rushing out to watch. And I'm invested now, you know, and I'm looking mm. forward to July when the next show comes out. I want to see what happens. Um, I definitely want to see more of Trevay. I think he was, for me, he came across as the star of the promotion for, from this show. I just thought he was brilliant. You know, the, the, the promos, um, I was very high on him when he came on the scene first, and it's it, I, I kind of lost faith in him almost. I think this this DNR faction in progress has done nothing for him; it's just made him another guy. But, but here he comes across as this this guy who's obsessed with the Riptide title to the point that it's almost driving him crazy. Like that that, that attack mm. that they did on Ridgeway, he was brilliant. He was like this this really sinister maniac you know, breaking the guy's leg. Um, you know, he's 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 been tormenting Jack Sexsmith. Like if I was them, I'd get the title on him and run run with him from now, you know, because I just I just was blown away by him on this show, you know, and I, I really want to see him in OTT now, having watched this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's my abiding memory of this show as well. That 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 use of almost like broken toys that, that, that other promotions have either cast aside or used badly. Yeah, yeah. I'm invested. Same as you, James. Yeah, I'm bet. Trevay just looked like a supervillain at the end of the show, you know, coming out mm-hmm. and Sexsmith had gone through, through so much, uh, you know, gets to win the the big rumble and Trevay just comes out smug and gets to, knows that he hates him so much, he's going to talk him into his big title shot. It was just perfect, top heel stuff. Um, Trevay throughout the show, you know, you mentioned in the opening, he was, you know, I, did, I didn't love it as a match. It was a very technical match, but he was very good at, you know, drawing with the crowd. He seems to be very quick 
uh, we're going back and forth with the crowd. And yeah. The show is promo work is fantastic. And just, yeah, shutting down heat from the crowd is brilliant. And he does come across as the, the top guy here, which, like you said, he doesn't elsewhere. So, yeah, again, similar to what we said about the, the other matches. If you can get, you got me invested in, in Jack Sexsmith and Spike Trevay. You've got me thinking, oh, yeah, July. I'll look forward to that. I'll look forward to, to getting plenty, plenty of time as well to build anticipation for it and uh, be ready for it to come um yeah just a great job and yeah just all in all i think riptide just do there's something maybe they've got a certain type of wrestler they use like i was watching that rumble match and lord gideon gray came out and i just thought of course he works here of course he does why wouldn't he <laughs> big t came out as the rumble spoiler it was like of course he does like why wouldn't you use big t like their use of, of people like that uh, the, getting some worth out of those kind of wrestlers, getting some work out of a Rishi Ghosh or a Sugar Dunkerton dance-off. Um, it's just, it, it's a really, really great formula. Um, and it definitely, definitely made me more interested in, in them going forward. Definitely looking forward to seeing that July show at the, uh, the very least. Someone else who was in that Riptide Rumble who seems to be over here quite a lot recently, and I'd only ever seen gifts of her doing Sasuke specials at Eve, was uh, Giselle Shore. I, I think she trained at the Lance Storm Wrestling Academy and had some kind of tryout for WWE, and I've yet to see a, a full match of hers, but uh, it's quite the spectacular high flyer. I mean, it's not really that often you see it from uh, maybe some of the stuff Charlie Morgan does, but yeah, not that often you see it from a female wrestler, so yeah. Just quite interesting in in the rumble as well, and a uh, interesting background there. Uh, so yeah, like all three of us said, a really enjoyable show. And um, the Chuck Mambo v TK Cooper match is available free on their YouTube, so be sure to check that one out. And uh, moving now to a uh, Fight Club Pro and their annual Dream Tag Team Invitational Tournament. This is held over three days in Wolverhampton, with the final night being in Manchester. And it's comprises of a tag tournament with other matches slotted in during the weekend. And it's pretty hard for us to fully review this one as only the first night has dropped on, on VOD. But, uh, I mean, we all watched the, the first night and then Benno was there live for the final night in Manchester. And the main highlight from the first night and the one everyone was talking about after the show was the singles match between Dan Maloney and Will Ospreay. And Maloney's someone who's been a Fight Club Pro regular for the past few years and was one of the first wave of signings for NXT UK and hasn't really given us much shout about uh, sort of like the past year or so. Seems to be treading water in meaningless matches on NXT UK, but this match with Osprey was fantastic and obviously you always expect that from a Will Osprey match, but I thought Maloney did well keeping up with Will all the way and was a fantastic showcase for him here. No, he's had a great look. I mean, I loved his uh, metal remix of Lethal Bizzle as his entrance theme. Um, I mean, is this a coming out party for a uh, Birmingham native here, Benno? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I mean, it was very good, but it's still Dan Maloney. Um, I, I, I kind of, maybe the fact that I watched this match with the weight of expectation of mm. people putting Dan Maloney over and putting over this match. And I'm not going to sit here and say it was a bad match. It was, it was a very, very good match. It was a, it was a good Will Ospreay match, but he is in there with Will Ospreay. Yeah. Uh, and I do think that maybe, I don't know if James is going to have a different point of view, but I do think people need to pump the brakes a little bit with the Dan Maloney love in. Uh, I think he's solid. I think it's promising that he kept up with Will Ospreay here, uh, that he was in the match and he was... It was the perfect place to do it. I would have done it. I would have booked it too. I think it's it's the right thing to do. You've got Dan Maloney, who can be the baby face, who can be the 
maybe you know the local promotion guy who everyone's invested in and wants to win and when he kicks out when you're not expecting it you know against the big star like will osprey it gets everybody going uh when he hits big moves like when he you know he countered uh osprey coming off the middle rope with that pile driver just absolutely incredible couple of spots like that using using his power it was the perfect spot to do it and it was the right thing to book because you want, if you're Fight Club Pro, you know, I don't know what's going on with Omari. You want your homegrown guy. Dan Maloney can be that guy. Um, so it was the right thing to do. I just think, yeah, it was a very good match, but it it was still a Will Ospreay match. And for me, I need to I would need to see Dan Maloney in other matches, you know, delivering something near this level. Um, so I'm not... 100% sold on him yet. It was definitely, for me, you know, a, a, a good impression. It was a good sign of potential things to come. But I think maybe maybe potential is the word. Uh, I still think it maybe just remains to be seen with him. Um, but then again, maybe I, I sat through one too many of those shape-pacer angles with him last year, and that's uh, that's colour of my view on him. I think I think the thing for me I was most surprised at because like I mean you just said those shape earth strangles and then all the treading water matches he'd had in NXT UK so it was just like mm. when I first saw this match advertised I was like oh right fair enough it wasn't like the excitement everyone had for the uh, Will Spray the uh, Ray Phoenix match when that was announced for the second night and then when watching this I think it was more of the surprise than anything I don't mm. know what your take on it was Jamesy. <sighs> You've, I think Benno has pretty much said word for word what I was going to say, to be honest. Um, Sorry. I, 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 I just don't, I, I don't get the Dan Maloney thing. And like, I, I, I put out a tweet before the show even went out. Like, what is the story with Dan Maloney? Like, is, is it a meme or is he genuinely good? You know, because I, I can't say I've ever seen it. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen an awful lot of Dan Maloney in fairness to him, but anything I've seen has been fairly forgettable. Um, like Benno said, this was a very good match. Um, but Will Ospreay is almost pathologically incapable of not having a very good match. <laughs> and if you if you can't have a very good match with him, then honestly, hang up your boots and forget about it. You know. Um, so yeah, as I said, I think I'm with you, Benno. You know, um, I, I I see the upside to him. He's a big guy in in a, in a British wrestling scene that doesn't have many big guys. He looks great. Um, there's something there, all right. Like the, the, those spots where he was kind of no selling the shot, the chops from Osprey mm. and stepping forward. You can see flashes of it, but but I, I when I hear people ranting and raving about how great he is after every Fight Club Pro show, and then I see that match, I kind of think I I, I just. I don't see what everyone else seems to be seeing or what everybody who goes to Fight Club Pro sees. Um, and again, like you said, Benno, he's their guy. He's clearly over. I mean, if I was them, I, I would be putting him on a fast track to being the big baby face who takes the title back from Shannon Friday. I mean, that's the obvious direction to go with him, you know. Um, but yeah, I need to see more and I need to see it. I need to see him have great matches with someone who isn't Will Ospreay before I'm kind of on the, on the hype train. I've never seen that much hype for him, to be honest with you. I don't know uh, what circles you're running in there, but yeah, I've never really seen that much <laughs> uh, that much hype for him. It's just from this match, and I think for me it was a surprise of seeing him. So, yeah, it's like, I, I suppose you noted there, Benno, you'd have to see a lot more from him, just, you know, because obviously, like say, Osprey has a great match with everybody. So, yeah, I suppose uh, mm. it'll be interesting to see if he can capitalise on any of that. And, uh, I mean, I noted there earlier, there was also a Will Ospreay v. Ray Phoenix match on the second night where 
which I imagine was as spectacular as it sounds, according to people who were there live. But, uh, Benno, the weekend ended in Manchester. Uh, any highlights from the final night of the weekend? Yeah, I mean, it was, to be honest, I mean, Fickle Pro will get grief for being a live event promotion. I've said it myself. Um, I will bring it up that, you know, I don't always think their shows translate to VOD. Uh, again, the no commentary thing. The I don't know the fact that most most of the time the crowds there are either you know having a great sing song or sometimes talking amongst themselves. There could be positives and negatives to it being the night out promotion. But I was there in Manchester on a night out and I had a great time. Uh, and there's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with the uh, with being uh, a night night out promotion in principle. Um, yeah, it was very fun the, the night three. Um, Kind of went in blind, having not seen uh, any of the, the two nights. I wasn't in Wolverhampton for either night, uh, so kind of went in with the, you know the the end of the uh, of the DTTI tournament itself in mind, with you know this Dan Maloney uh, talk uh, in my head as well from you know how good he'd been on the on the previous nights. Uh, I would say on this night three, they did a four way match with uh, with him, Park, Will Osprey, and Mark Davis for the title. Uh, and there was definitely points in that. When Dan Maloney first came, he was the first person to kind of respond to the Mark Davis Open Challenge. And I was just thinking, yeah, you know what? My misgivings about Dan Maloney aside, if I'm Fight Pro, book it, do it. He should be in these slots. Uh, he did, unfortunately, take the fall in that match. Uh, but it was, you know, if you're booking towards a Fight Club Pro audience, then it makes sense to put him in there. Uh it also doesn't hurt to be mixing it up with the likes of Pac and Will Ospreay, who were both absolutely incredible in that match. Uh, Will, I was kind of, it was funny, I was watching the match, just thinking, how lucky are we to get to see Will Ospreay this close up and personal, like James, he said, one of the one of the best wrestlers in the world at this point. I'd easily put him in my top five, maybe even top three. Uh, unfortunately, he announced at the end of the match that it was his last Fight Club Pro appearance. So, fortunately, uh, maybe saw that coming a little bit. But, yeah, that was great. Great to see that. Um, other non-tournament stuff there. They had a match with Ray Horace and, and Chuck Mambo, which was all right. Uh, Chuck Mambo's uh, going into that this. I hadn't seen the Riptide show, so I wasn't hugely high on Chuck Mambo. He didn't look great in there with Ray Horace. I'm definitely higher on him in Riptide. But, again, he's someone you could do something with him fight club pro um but really the the main thing of that third night was yeah the the finals of the tournament itself um not really any matches there that push people to go out on the vod and desperately desperately check out i did really enjoy lucha brothers in lax that was the opener uh, in the semi-final of the tag team invitational um one of one of those spotty matches where i literally walked into the building we were a little bit late walked into somebody doing a Canadian Destroyer or a Package Power Driver. It was that kind of match. Uh, so if you're into that, maybe check that out as a tag match. Uh, the other semi-final had Schadenfreude against Besties in the World, which was uh, maybe had a bit more story to it. They would do, they try very hard to get uh, Schadenfreude over as the the heels in the building. Doesn't always work for me because there's just so many Schadenfreude flags and t-shirts there, and everybody there's kind of see to, there to see those lads, but. They told a bit of a, a story there with Lycos trying to interfere and and cause problems, which they kind of carried through to the main events with the Lucha Brothers and Schadenfreude, a couple of ref bumps, a, a lot of teasing. Um, made you think that Schadenfreude were going to win, but ended up losing to the Lucha Brothers, um, who I think were runners-up the year before last in the first Dream Tag Team Invitational. So it was kind of that you know story going on through the night. But for me, it wasn't so much about, you know, Big matches. I think if if you recommend the matches from this weekend, I, I would still recommend Osprey and Maloney. 
Uh, it sounds like Osprey Phoenix is one to see when that does eventually hit uh, the VOD. Uh, but if anything, yeah, it was for me more of a, it was just a great uh, live show to go to. Uh, and that's, you know, Fight Club Pro for some of the problems you might have with the product. Uh, that's one thing that they do pretty much always deliver. So I've got to say I was a, I was a happy customer on that night three. Could I just make a point about um, about Fight Club Pro? Um, the we watched two promotions over this week. We watched Riptide and Fight Club Pro. Riptide, who probably have a fraction of the resources of Fight Club Pro, don't have as much of a reputation, are working with far more limited talent. Mm. And then you look at Fight Club Pro bringing over huge names, you know. Lucha Brothers, Will Ospreay, um, the best of Brit Rest are there, you know, and which promotion is making the best of the resources available to them, you know, mm -hmm. and if you said to me, you can only watch one of those promotions next show, I go for Riptide every time, you know what I mean, it's, it's a bit like, I don't know, in, in the Premier League, like you have Spurs with the net spend of, of nothing challenging for at the top of the league in the in the Champions League semi-finals and then someone like Man United with all the riches in the world available to them and they're nowhere you know and it's it's just it just struck me thinking about the two promotions the one who has less and who has less to work with are making far more use and making far better use and putting on better shows in my opinion than than what Fight Club Pro are doing I don't know if you guys agree with that or not or yeah I completely agree with that it's weird with Fight Club Pro because like you say they do of these stacked cards and like Ben O'Neill mm -hmm. they just seem like a fantastic experience like but it's not always a must watch promotion from a VOD perspective. I don't know what's missing why they're not having you know because they have got a you know incredible lineup of talent it just seems like I can't put my finger on what's missing why when you watch these VODs you just you're like yeah that was all right and then you've forgotten about it a couple of days later mm. That's it. It's like 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 a good night out. Yeah, you kind of get lost to the. the <laughs> I forgot about of the night, that the next it? morning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but that's it, isn't it? Yeah, you know the the details of the matches are probably sketchy for everybody who goes to those fight club pro shows once a month. Uh, I definitely see your point there, James. Yeah, like I enjoy what it is. I mean, the I enjoy going to their shows, but it does feel like yeah, there's a there's a lack of ambition. The way, the best way to put it, maybe you know the clearly you know if they're bringing in all these lots of indie names across the, the tournaments over the three days, never mind, you know, the wages of a pack and an Osprey. They must be, if they're not turning a profit, they must be making the money back at least. And maybe they just see it's worth it. As, you know, we get to do this. We put Wolverhampton on the map a little bit. We don't want much more, but there definitely was a point, you know, that first Dream Tag Team Invitational two years ago when it did feel like Fight Club Pro could be on the cusp of being, you know, the next big thing in Brit Raz, um, being, you know, the, they often get compared to PWG, but I think both in positive and negative ways, you could probably apply that comparison as well. Because um, they do, there's just something about the promotion, isn't it? That just seem, maybe it's not the worst thing in the world, but just happy with the lot, happy to be, you know, uh, an institution in Wolverhampton and I'm not really wanting to be much more. Yeah, because they always pack out that venue as well, don't they? I mean, not that you'll be able mm. to tell them the VOD because it's all pitch black, but uh, <laughs> that's, that's another matter entirely. But yeah, in interesting. And, and you say about lack of ambition, but they can't be lacking in that much ambition because they ran a show in Japan in January and then they're sure. heading over to Spain as well, aren't they, to run a show in conjunction with White Wolf. So yeah, interesting. Interesting promotion. I'm sure we'll definitely be talking about some of the future events coming up. But, um, I mean, moving over to your neck of the woods, Jamesy, and uh, OTTL Contenders 14 at the Ringside Club in Dublin. And you were there for this one. Uh, Contenders are the smaller shows for the company, but always look like tons of fun. And uh, what were some of the highlights here from this one? 
Yeah, like Contenders is 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 borderline my favorite thing about OTT. I mean, I love the big shows, I love the big matches and everything like that. But um, they've been running the Contenders shows now for maybe two years, maybe a year and a half to two years. Um, and it's just it's they're they're kind of they're late afternoon shows that usually start at four o'clock. You'll be finished by seven o'clock. Um, as opposed to the kind of the drunken raucous atmosphere of of the big OTT shows, their family shows. Um, so there's lots of kids there as well, and they've it's basically what they've used to build up the, the homegrown talent. So you're you're like we on the very first contender show way way back we would have seen um the two lads from more than hype darren carney and nathan martin have their first ever match in the ring against the kings of the north um and they've you know so we're totally invested in those guys because we've literally seen them grow and develop in front of our eyes you know um this particular show on paper was one of the weaker kind of uh, cards they'd put on going into it i wasn't hugely excited but as ever, it was just a really fun afternoon. Um, if I was to recommend one match from the show, I would say definitely go out of your way to watch the main event of uh, Mark Haskins against Terry Thatcher. Um, Terry is another guy who's really benefited from contenders. Like he's he's a veteran. He's been wrestling for 13 or 14 years. He would have been on the very early OTT cards, but kind of never went nowhere. Didn't really have a gimmick, didn't have an act, and kind of just drifted off the shows and then came back on contenders in this new role as this babyface veteran who basically he's he's an unbelievably good underdog he's a guy who can take an incredible beating he sells like his life depends on it um he's really good at getting sympathy from the crowd and there's he's almost he's become kind of the king of the ringside club in a way he's a kind of you're whenever terry thatcher's put in there with a big indie name you're nearly guaranteed a good match and this match is no different um and haskins is a guy that i think a bit like we talked about jimmy havoc earlier haskins is a guy who's kind of done everything that he could possibly do yeah. in europe at this stage he's been everywhere he's been a top guy in most places and I think it's it, him moving to America was a good thing, you know, but I think this this match was really just a nice reminder of, of actually Haskins is a really, really good wrestler behind it all. Um, and like he he had no right to come over here and put on the match that he did. If he had put on a decent 15 minute match, most people would have been happy. But they went, they went, I'd say they must have gone over 25 minutes turned this thing into an epic um, and it was fantastic and uh, and the finish to the match was tremendous like Terry beat him for this it's this gender neutral title that they have which I kind of have issues with as even being a belt in the first place and I've never really taken it that seriously as a title the way it was brought in was almost as a comedy thing and it's never really meant much in OTT but in one match they kind of almost made this belt um, Terry won the match massive pop from the crowd but Haskins has had a briefcase to cash in from about 12 months ago at this stage mm. and we all kind of thought it was their insurance policy against WWE it was like a very quick way of putting the title on somebody non-contracted if they had to right. but in this instance Haskins stormed out of the ring when he'd lost the match comes back with the briefcase <laughs> restarts the match uh, they wrestle for a few more minutes and Haskins wins the belt back and all of a sudden you leave the building kind of thinking god this belt is actually it actually means something you know they got us to care about this title that nobody really gave a damn about before this you know so from that point of view hugely successful main event um and you know it, it capped off a really good show just really enjoyable you, you can't go wrong with a contender show they're just always great fun yeah i've seen a couple of them on uh, the ott on demand service and and like you say they are a, a great uh you know proving ground and showcase for uh sort of like the younger talent and you know it's 
before they go on to the bigger shows. Uh, what is the story with Terry Thatcher? Seen him have a couple of uh, good matches on these uh, on these contenders shows. Is he is he been around on the scene for a while, or is he another of these up and coming talents? No, no, he's 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 been around for ages. Like he's he's thirteen, fourteen years in at this stage, mm. and just was a guy who who could never find a gimmick. Basically, he tried lots of different things. Like in the young part of his career, he was wrestling under a mask. Um, he tried being a flippy guy. He tried being a heel on the main roster in OTT, and nothing ever stuck. And as I said, it was it was contenders that kind of. He finally found himself and he found this role as as this veteran that the ringside club just adores. Um, and he's just he's like he's taking some horrendous beatings. I remember he wrestled uh, Jonah Rock there last year in the ringside club and like the beating that he took from Jonah Rock because he's only a small guy. He reminds me a lot of kind of in stature like a, a Darby Allen. And yeah. quite like the Darby Allen character, actually, you know, a, a guy who can take a hellacious beating, comes back with a lot of fire, has a reasonably good move set. And he just he just has that connection. Like we talked about the Riptide shows, he just has a connection with the crowd. That, that, and when you have when you are a local guy who has a correction, connection with the crowd, I don't think there's anything better in wrestling. And, you know, a match that I, I didn't wasn't thinking was going to be great going into it. Haskins and him turned into one of my favorite matches this year. Just just really, I would highly recommend anybody have a look at it. It's really, really good. And like Terry would be one of the most underrated guys in wrestling, I think. I think there's if if companies invested in him and brought him over to England, I think they really could be doing an awful lot worse. Yeah, I've certainly been impressed with him when I've I've seen the few times I've seen him. But um, I mean, OTT's next big show is a uh, Wrestle Rama on the twenty third of June, and they released a poster with a uh, Devlin Star and Walter on it. I mean, uh, can you see them doing a three way for the title here, Benno? Um, that's what I'd do. It's but I think. There's other direction you could go. You could go back to Devlin and start, couldn't you? Uh, I suppose a lot of it's going to depend on on data they've got the guys for. But as far as being the main players in, in OTT uh, this last six months to a year, it's it's those three, isn't it? Um, and that would be that's probably the biggest match you could possibly do. It's a big place, uh, as James will know. So yeah, uh, you probably want to do put your best foot forward, and yeah, I think that's that's the best thing that, that the OTT could do right now. And you could have all kinds of other story Ostrands coming from there too. You could, like I say, you could maybe make an argument for doing a Devil and Star rematch first. Um, but yeah, I'd definitely get to that match in uh, in some form if it was me. And uh, staying with uh, Jordan Devlin and Walter, uh, the first two tapings for uh, NXT UK have appeared on the network, the ones <laughs> they did over uh, WrestleMania weekend, uh, with tonight's featuring uh, the third match between Walter and Devlin. I mean, in OTT, these two have had uh, the be- some of the best matches of 2018 and 2019. And uh, I mean, they couldn't have a bad match if they tried, but um, absolutely no build for this one. A uh, different dynamic here. Obviously, uh, Devlin is the supposedly the heel here, but I don't know, is Walter supposed to be the face here? I mean, the crowd is obviously access over uh, WrestleMania weekend. I mean, we had some chance from the crowd, but not much. Still a decent match, despite the uh, setting and circumstances here, Jamesy. Yeah, like, and I mean, I suppose, in, in fairness, it's it's unfair that we have the memory of those two great matches in, in Dublin in our minds when we're watching them wrestle anywhere else, really. You know what I mean? But but to see it in this atmosphere <laughs> is just it's just very weird, isn't it? You know, it's 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 just a kind of a, a hollow, empty atmosphere, as you said. You know, your top guy Walter and probably your number behind Pete Dunne, your number three guy. 
wrestling and as you said they, they did one short promo to set it up I think in the weeks before um, and nothing else and it's like and to put it on at access of all places you know <laughs> where you know even if it was in the UK you'd have people who kind of would be a bit more familiar with both guys um, but putting all that aside this is still a very good wrestling match you know putting aside anything you know about them from the past putting aside everything else it was still really good you know you had Jordan they, they do have just this magical chemistry together where they, they really can't have a good match a bad match as you said Martin um, I liked Jordan going after the leg thought it was a good storyline they actually got the crowd to pop when they, they kind of they held off on any of the big chops. You know, a few times Jordan ducked out of the way, and then when Walter did hit that big chop in the middle of the match, that mm-hmm. did get the crowd going. You know, even an access crowd, they had them on their feet. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, in fairness to them, they got the crowd into it. Um, and you know, if you are WWE booking him, it was a pretty decisive win for De- for Walter as well. You know, and I mean that's really what and. That's really, I suppose, what, what you want to be doing with them is, is is having him go over these guys and, and build them up to, to be the monster that, that they really need him to be. Yeah, I mean, you've been very fair and balanced there, uh, Jamesy. I refuse <laughs> to be fair and balanced on this one because, I mean, <laughs> we say it's unfair to compare to the other matches, but they still booked it. I mean, the people yeah. booking yeah, NXT yeah. UK are aware that that happens. I'm not saying the match is sacred and you can't do it. But for this to be Devil and Walter 3, I mean, I agree with everything you said there. I agree that, you know, in fairness to them, they, they did do something. The crowd did come alive. You know, there were lots of Walter chants. Uh, the, the, I think the blood helped. I think the great work of the two of them helped. The, the intensity of the match, there's obvious chemistry there because we all know. But yeah, coming off the back of two match of the year <laughs> contenders are just I, I find it hard to be fair on them on this because i just i just don't what they know better than to book this here surely they know better than to do to to throw this match away um and really as good as the work was in it it was a pretty straightforward win for walter at the end of the day as well um it made events of the show great i mean but it wasn't what we were talking about afterwards we were talking about the the done match um for me this is a destination match this isn't a a match on the way um so yeah i mean as the wrestlers did great work uh the crowd for the part who'd been awful throughout the night were did come alive for it as well so there's that too but yeah i find it hard to have any any sympathy really i just don't know why you'd book this here it's just not the not the place for it and I think, you know, maybe it's probably unfair to say a majority of people watching this are even aware of that OTT match, but the people who are, like me, are going to shout loudly, and mm-hmm. I think, you yeah. know, you're going to find out from it. People, your friends are going to go, well, you know, think that was good? You've got to see those two OTT matches. Um, yeah, just a, just a, I mean, it, it, like you said, if, if there was anything that showed you kind of what this NXT UK product is compared to, the indies it's uh trying to be or the indies it's uh it's taking things from then this is just the the best possible example to show one of what how hollow and meaningless you can make a match between you know two of the best wrestlers in the world you know i mean the nxt uk guys were uh, kept very busy at access over wrestlemania weekend because um they had this nxt uk uh round of tapings and um also will's collide event which uh Mixed wrestlers from 205 Live, NXT, NXT UK were on SmackDown. And uh, 
I managed to watch the Cruiserweight portion of the show. Uh, it featured Tyler Bate against the Brian Kendrick and uh, Jordan Devlin against the Kira Tazawa. And, I mean, on paper, these matches look great and the the crowd were more muted for this than they were for the NXT UK tape. And, I mean, you could visibly hear the aircon in the room at a, a lot of points during uh, the show. And, um, I mean, but... They they weren't the best that we've seen from these. I thought I thought Devlin and Tazawa didn't seem to mesh very well for here at all. And I, I know you managed to check that match out as well, Jamesy. Yeah, um, maybe I was less harsh on the on the Devlin Walter match because I had seen those other matches <laughs> and like there I, I watched I watched all four of those like and I mean they're just completely and utterly forgettable matches you know like you talk about waking up after a fight club pro match and not remembering what happened you know I I, I watched four matches and and also <laughs> the, the, the two and the two weeks of NXT UK before that were from the same venue as well and the whole thing just blends into one you know what I mean um th- there's nothing particularly memorable about any of those matches um <sighs> I, I, it's hard to really know what to say about them. They're just matches that happened um, for WWE to justify even having these guys on the books. That's the best I can say. You know, um, Kaylee Ray took uh, Candice LeRae on. Um, I think that was on the other uh, Worlds Collide show. Like you say, they do all mold into one after a while, don't they? And especially in the same venue. And I remember those two were like absolutely tearing it up when they were in the UK. And this was the main match where all I could hear was aircon throughout the entire thing. Yeah. And I was like, this is... what is." I mean, people scoff at our negativity to this brand, but when you know what the majority of this roster is capable of and what we see here compared with elsewhere, I mean... I, I don't understand how you can be positive on it. I mean, you can talk about gatekeeping or whatever, but it, it's just... So, everything just moulds <laughs> into one, doesn't it, Benno? Yeah, it's it's cookie-cutter WWE presentation. You know what tells you what they think of these brands? When you've got Travis Banks, who's allegedly a push star in NXT UK, going 50-50 with... What was his name? Mansur on that UK TV? <laughs> yeah. Mansur yeah. lost in about 90 seconds to... What's, what's Gunner's name? Jackson Riker on NXT Riker, proper. Yeah, yeah. That shows you exactly where NXT UK is in in, in the overall uh, span of WWE. It just doesn't mean anything. Um, and that's what it is, isn't it? And I think that when it's good, it's good. You know, there was a good, a couple of weeks ago, there was a really, we, on this show we were talking about, you know, a good NXT UK TV, a, a good episode. And, they do have occasional good episodes. The tag division can definitely deliver. Walter's always got it in his pack pocket. You know, you throw Chris Hero, uh, Cassius Ono out there. Sorry, there's me gatekeeping again. You throw Cassius <laughs> Ono out there with Travis Banks, and it's going to be a great match, and you're going to get to see it. And then they bring you crashing back down to earth when they do these shows in front of these access crowds because it just shows you where it is in the overall grand scheme of things because, yeah, we've got big names, worldwide, you know, top-level, world-class talent out there. And it couldn't mean any less. And yeah, you, like Jamesy said, you you forget about it, you know, 10 seconds after because it just doesn't matter. And like we know, it's Actually, not the guys and it is a great, you know, if they hmm. want to be in WWE, that's a great, great for them and everything. And obviously, you know, if it's their dream or whatever, that's fantastic for them. But when you, you know how much they're capable of and you're watching this week in, week out, I mean, an NXT UK show that happens, uh, what? Four weeks ago, I couldn't tell you anything that happened on it. This one, that <laughs> better, I only know what happened on these past couple because I've got them written down in front of me. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's just, it's just so forgettable. It's just, I, 
I just don't understand how anyone could watch this and be like, oh, this is a, a great show. I just, don't, I just really don't understand how anybody could uh, get any enjoyment out of this, really. Actually, I feel like I owe Fight Club Pro an apology because I call <laughs> them the Man United. They're not the Man United. WWE, NXT UK is the Man United. Oh, the They've Chelsea, got the surely. The They've got all these stars. And when, you know, when a problem comes along, they throw more money at it and it doesn't get any better. It's just <laughs> middle of the road. Crap. <laughs> I think uh, I think you summed it up perfectly there. Uh, I mean, moving on to our final review is uh, something that took place outside the ring. Um, as Benno, you attended the biggest wrestling convention to ever be held on UK soil as uh, for the Love of Wrestling convention. Uh, it's all in your hometown, Liverpool, on the 27th and the 28th of April. And uh, Benno, did you still have a love of wrestling after attending this? <laughs> I did, I did. I heard the teaser from God away. Yeah, I can, I can confirm. I possibly love wrestling even more now after this weekend. It was, it was genuinely great. I mean, I enjoyed wrestling. I think the obvious comparison. I hate to beat them over the head too much, but wrestling MediaCon last year in Manchester talked about it, and this show was the first wrestling convention of its kind I'd, I'd gone to, and the most memorable one I can think of in in recent years, or the most memorable attempt. Uh, and this was just a different world to that. I went in jaded, you know, hearing that I'd heard talk that there was going to be 10,000 people there over the weekend. And with the inflated prices and with being honest, uh, I didn't hear a lot of buzz about it, at least in kind of the bubble that we operate in. But yeah, I, I was completely, completely proven wrong because I believe every bit of 10,000 people were there over the weekend, probably more. And a good chunk of them were paying the £150 for a for a photo with The Undertaker. Uh, I, saw, I saw the photos. MMA Undertaker. Right? Yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> didn't, he didn't even do, de- he didn't do Dead even Man. That. He didn't do American Badass. He was just a bloke in a hoodie and a hat. But he was getting paid 100 Well, so, somebody was getting £150 to go for all those photos. Uh, I crunched the numbers. I think he made at least more than 100000 on on photos. Never mind the autographs. Never mind the Q&A he's doing this week. So definitely a success for the, uh, the pockets of The Undertaker and uh, yeah, his representatives. Uh, but yeah, it, it was a blow-away success. There are people out there, and a lot of them, who are willing to go out and, and spend that kind of money, spend £50 on a picture with Ric Flair or, or Bret Hart. Um, I was just happy to be there, to be honest, just to just to wander around. I mean, it was in, as you say, the exhibition centre in Liverpool. Uh, you know, eight-year-old me was pinching himself that a big, big convention like this was happening in Liverpool with Psycho Sid and Nash and Hall and Flair and Brett and even the likes of Eric Bischoff, Jericho, Christian. Long list of names, Undertaker included too. Um, that it was actually happening is a crazy thing for me. Um, but yeah, it was genuinely impressive what they put together wandering around just just in there they had great stalls with merch with magazines belts uh, there was like a, an area where you could go, go and play i was in heaven you could play pretty every wrestling video game that ever came out uh from the n64 games to the snes games to even a triple a video game which i'd never actually known that ever existed before <laughs> which looked, looked a lot of fun never got a chance to play that but it was just even if you weren't going there to spend the big money to get the big photos of the wrestlers and get the big autographs, it was just a cool place to be. You know, they had a, a barbershop window set up. Uh, they spelled Brutus Beefcake's name wrong, bro. I'll let them off. Uh, they, they, they had a WWE interview set set up. There were all kinds of things there. And it just, for me, I think my biggest takeaway was one, how much there was to see and do 
through there. Lots of Q and A's going on through the day as well. But just really, how many casual fans were there? Um, like I say, I, I do believe that you know it was in the the tens of thousands, the people that were there. Yeah, and it did feel like it was just people coming out for those names. You know, you might laugh at a Brutus the Barber Beefcake or, or Jimmy Hart or Hacksaw Jim Duggan being the big draw for a convention like that but the, they are names that people remember and we haven't really had anything like this in the uk have we we've had things like MediaCon, we've had things where you know comic cons where the likes of you know edge will show up or yeah. booker t or sting will do an appearance uh and you get that but to have something like this where it was you know full-on wrestling full-on nostalgia really more than anything um yeah it was really a, a sight to behold and a, a success that, that i definitely didn't see coming yeah because you sort of get this sort of thing uh wrestlecon over uh mania weekend but that's mania weekend isn't it so yeah it's interesting mm. that they decided to run this and uh you know good on them that it was a big success and also uh manchester based promotion future shop put on a couple of shows in the evening as well didn't they yeah, they did. They did it in the basically. There was a ring in the middle of the convention hall uh, where they had Q and A's through the day. The likes of Booker T and like Eric Bischoff had one, and there was a a great Sid one where he talked about his career in the big nineties, and a Marty Jannetty one that's best forgotten, uh, telling stories about doing uh, certain substances with a certain chairman of very big wrestling promotions oh, God. <laughs> in front of a in front of a capacity crowd. Uh, that's probably best forgotten. Um, but you know, on top of all that, yeah, they they used that ring for the Q&A but they also it was there for the Future Shock show that was taking place afterwards not that you'd know that was one negative they didn't really promote that there was a wrestling show going on so at about five or six o'clock I was just there for the Saturday not the Sunday but on the Saturday when they cleared everybody out um Future Shock promoter Chris Brooker kind of had to run out and grab the mic and remind people that the, the, there was a show going on. Um, but it was a lot of fun, to be honest, the show. There wasn't a, a huge amount notable. It was very much a convention show. They used um, Hacksaw Jim Duggan in a in an eight-man tag um, who looked like he was having the time of his life. He doesn't have to do a lot these days, does he? You know, yeah. Wave a two-by-four, hit a couple of clotheslines, do his three-point stance, and that's that's enough, really. But... He was really great in there with uh, with Future Shock heels. Uh, big in the Brave, Big Joe and uh, Damon Lee. Uh, had some really good chemistry with him. That was a lot of fun. Uh, there was a really fun Zach Gibson and Joey Hayes match, um, which was the main event um, for the Future Shock title, which was, to be honest, Zach Gibson in his hometown, hometown just messing around more than anything, just kind of uh, running around, uh, to, joking back and forth with the fans and doing a lot of comedy with Joey Hayes. Uh, still a lot of fun. From a pure in-ring point of view, I think the, probably the highlight was Travis Banks and Sonny Dearson. They're the really good athletic match to open. Sonny Dearson is a name that people should keep an ear out for, someone who's poised to, to break out of the, the Northwest. And probably the biggest news story that came of the night was that Pete Dunn turned up. He was there for the convention in general. I believe he did very well on the photos uh, at WWE TV experience. We were just slagging off NXT UK, but maybe he is a, he is a maybe it does help uh, make someone a star after all. He came out and got the biggest pop of the night because it was Pete Dunn and he was a surprise in the Rumble. Uh, he won and he sold photos at halftime right after the Rumble, which is just perfect. Uh, <laughs> I, I, would, I would probably book that too. I'm sure the... Uh, it was a weekend all about Polaroids and autographs, so I'm sure they sold uh, a few extra ones there as well. And yeah, it was a good, it was a good spot for Future Shock. Really, I believe they were helpful in the organisation of the events. All in all, um, they're not strictly a Liverpool-based promotion, but the they are Northwest, um, and maybe they might have made a few fans here. They were giving out uh, voucher codes uh, for their on-demand service, which I believe you can get on on Twitter as well, even if you weren't there. 
um, and hopefully yeah, made some fans out of it and we'll hopefully get a, a repeat booking next year as well. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I wasn't bothered about it at all. Like you said, it, was, it didn't really interest me. But then seeing the pictures that you were putting up and, uh, you know, seeing what a great time we're having, I, I kind of annoyed that I didn't head up there for like a couple of hours on Saturday. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm assuming they'll be doing one next year as well. Yeah, they've announced it already. Uh, April again next year. I don't have the date right in front of me. I think it's the se- April 17th, 18th, whatever that weekend is around then. Uh, there's lo- lots of rumour was abounding um, for my grapple uh, commitments. We did speak to to Jimmy Hart and he was teasing, you know, potentially Hulk Hogan coming next year and the promoters have kind of teased that as well. Be interesting to see how that goes. Heard rumour of, you know, don't blame me if it doesn't happen, but I heard Steve Austin might be a name uh, to come back next year. It did feel like a very prop- profitable uh, venture. All the wrestlers seemed to be absolutely loving it. Uh, all every fan that I spoke to had a had a smile on the face. Uh, and yeah, lots. It did feel like lots and lots of of money changed hands. So no yeah. surprise really that they're going to do it next year. I think yeah, they've the organisers who were used to doing sci-fi and horror cons have uh, stumbled onto something here. That, hey, these uh, these wrestler fans have got a lot of disposable income uh, and. As a market, Europe, the UK, we're kind of, you know, for Americans, maybe this kind of convention, if you've been to a Mania weekend, it might sound pretty normal uh, for the UK. You know, this is something special right now. So I'd imagine they do just as well, if not better, when they come back next year. Yeah, definitely. And um, I mean, moving away from that and onto a, a couple of news items for it out of here, and it seems uh, Joel Redman has been really impressing in the All Japan Champions Carnival this past month. Uh, Redman, who's last sort of prominent role over here in the UK, was tagging, tagging rather with Charlie Sterling in Red Pro. Um, always had a great look. Well, with someone who never really blew me away, but uh, friends of the show, Strigger and WH Park, have been praising Redman in All Japan the past couple of weeks. And uh, James, you managed to check out some of the shows. Uh, what's Redman bringing to All Japan that he seemingly was lacking over here? Yeah, I um I asked the great Alan Forel to give me some of maybe Redmond's best couple of matches just to have a look at what what was going on there with him, and he's done really well for himself. Um, like as you said, the likes of W H Park and Striga and Martin and all the guys who would be the big big Puro fans all have been raving about him. Um. I think what he brings to All Japan is that he's completely different to anyone else they have. Like All Japan is pretty much the land of the giants. Most of them, it's, it's a big lad promotion for the most part. A lot of the matches are, are your big lad matches, lots of heavy chops, lots of big moves, that kind of thing. Lots of fighting spirit, that kind of thing. And Redman has been very clever in that he's just completely gone, kept away from that type of wrestling. He's, he's by no means the biggest guy in the tournament. He's actually on the smaller side of everybody that's in it. And he's just gone and done the basics and had good technical matches. Um, the the fans seem to really like him. Um, he's, he's played it completely uh, blue-eyed baby face, almost like an old world of sport baby face almost like when he comes out he's high-fiving the fans he's shaking hands the women in the crowd all seem to love him um he's um yeah and he's he, she's shaking hands with the referee he shakes hands with his opponent before and after the match um he, he never struck me as as a brilliant technician i don't think i mean he wouldn't be nowhere near the level of a zach saber jr or even a james mason or any of those guys but again because he's the only guy in the tournament doing that kind of stuff it, it just stands out you know um if if i was to you know the two matches that were recommended to me were against nai and namura and yoshi tatsu and both really good matches just short 
10, 12 minute matches, told a nice story in the Nomura match, a um, little bit of work on the arm and tapped him out with an arm bar. The Yoshitatsu match was just another match. He seemed to match up well with the guys who were similar size to him. Um, and yeah, good on him, you know. Um, a guy who's kind of disappeared off the radar seems to mainly do the camp shows from what I can see. And all the indications are from, from people who watch All Japan that, that he'll almost certainly be called back for another tour. They, I think they have a tag league coming up maybe later in the year and they people think he might get called back for that. So good on the guy, you know, a guy who's who's kind of who's been around a long time, who's kind of stuck at it, and maybe he's found a nice niche for himself in Japan now. Yeah, I mean, um like to know a day doesn't seem to be utilized that much outside of as you know there the uh the camp shows and it sounds like he's uh he's just transferred that over there and you know good on him i think benno for uh you know creating him, himself a fan base uh, over in japan yeah it's got it does feel like it's come a bit out of nowhere i didn't expect in the, the year 2019 to have people praising joel redmond uh, as this as this prospect in, in japan but it does I, i've not seen any of it myself but it does sound like he's doing good work and yeah he's just a name that kind of seemed to drop off apart from you know you might see him on a poster for your local family show uh, you didn't really see him in the in the quote-unquote cool indie promotions um so yeah the fact that he's done this work the fact that he's got a rep from it the fact that you know big names like the likes of uh of alan wh and james here are, are talking about him in, in these terms uh, i'd expect it'll mean that yeah he'll probably get a couple more bookings in the types of promotions we watch so certainly interested to to see how, how he's doing and uh and how he's looking these days and um, coming up this weekend, we've got uh, Progress's annual Super Strong Style 16 tournament um, held at the Alexander Palace in London. I mean, we'll get into the brackets in a minute, but David Starr, one of the competitors in this year's tournament, released an amazing video in conjunction with photographer James Musselwhite. And then in the video, Star states he, he's this kid from Philly who represents Brit Rest Indie more than Progress in 2019. And what better way than a true independent wrestler to win the tournament and go on and beat one of your NXT boys? I mean, I'm paraphrasing there, but uh, Star really excels uh, when it comes to these things. Uh, we saw it in the Devlin Star OTT video, and now this James, he's fantastic at the, doing these uh, promo videos. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, anyone who follows me on Twitter or knows me will know I just think the world of David Starr. I think he's... <laughs> top five in the world I think and especially this year like his wrestling was always phenomenal I mean the last two three years he's been killing it in ring but in the, just in, in the last kind of six months his promos have just been on at a different level like you know I get CM Punk vibes from him almost in the way he speaks the way he delivers his promos the things he says the way he's kind of placing himself now as this anti-establishment guy um, and like you, you just watch that video again. It's just a single camera. His face is right at the camera, but there's, there's just it's like every great promo, I suppose. You feel like he kind of believes what he's saying as well. You know, he's not just cutting a promo and you know giving out about some some heels or something like that. Like it feels pretty heartfelt. You know, it feels like he very much has an independent spirit. And the likes of us who are you know on a podcast giving out about NXT, what they've done to the scene, how bland their product is, like it's 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 totally designed to for, for the likes of us to kind of punch the air in encouragement when you hear yeah. this kind of stuff you know what i mean um it's it's great you know and he's tapping into an undercurrent like he's he's such a clever guy you know what i mean like he's on social media constantly he sees 
what the likes of us are saying about the scene and that kind of thing. And he's just tapping into that kind of sentiment, you know what I mean? And um, I put it on Twitter a few days ago. He's done more to promote that tournament by making that video himself than anything Progress have done, you know? <laughs> he really has, though. Like, uh, he's kind of like, I think the thing with it is that you, do, you almost don't want, like I replied to you, James, I was kind of saying you don't want Progress to endorse the promo too much oh, yeah. Yeah. and to come back and and to say you know if, if they started tweeting that promo out it wouldn't work but the fact that it's come through uh it, it's come through why well, do jim bob and it's come through you know david star himself it feels real it feels like a yeah. i think that adds like you say to the the element of, that david star brings that it, it feels like a real promo it feels like to be honest, it feels like things we've said on this podcast and not on my other podcast. It, it sounds like David Starr's a listener, doesn't it? it? Yeah. He's kind of the same all the things that we... Hi, David. So, yeah, that's it. Yeah, hopefully he is. Um, <laughs> but I think that, that, that's, that's kind of what makes it work as well. And yeah, like I say, nobody does a, as good a job of blending reality as David Starr. We also... I'm guessing the idea for this came from that Ring of Honor promo, which was absolutely fantastic. And mm. he's done it again here. And yeah, like you said, James, he's uh, on his own. Uh, maybe far more interested in this weekend than... Uh, than progress have so far and uh, moving on to the bracket uh stars matched up with artemis spencer we've got travis banks taking on dj zed trevor lee against zero star chris brooks against Ilya dragunov kyle o'reilly against chris ridgeway obviously a natural matchup between those two uh darby allen paul robinson lucky kid and jordan devlin and uh kyle fletcher against dagger and uh benno any of those uh first round matches uh standing out to you um, I think I'm more interested in where the brackets go afterwards. Uh, I think for me, I think the big thing is going to be where we end up as far as finals go. Um, mm. I think it's hard to pick from that bracket, like like who's going through. Some of those matches are are really really tough to call. Uh, whether they're gonna, you know, is a Kyle O'Reilly really gonna lose? in the first round against no. you know Chris Ridgeway. <laughs> Probably not. I mean it's something of a, a dream match, isn't it? You know, Ridgeway in in style is very similar to, to Kyle O'Reilly, so it makes sense to do it. Um I get it. I get why they're doing it and I get why they they've kind of put that match on. Uh but for me it kind of just means Kyle O'Reilly's going further and unfortunately for, for Ridgeway he's not he's not gonna go any further in the tournament. Um I think Darby Allen and Paul Robinson interests me as a match. I think that's two similarish characters. I think Somebody's going to die in that match. It's probably going to be Darby Allen, but I wouldn't <laughs> put it past Paul Robinson either. So I think that's interesting as well. And yeah, to be fair, lucky kid Jordan Devlin. I can't see that as being a match that's uh, that's happened anywhere else uh, in the world. But for me, yeah, kind of looking at the bracket, it was more a case of, you know, where can we actually go from here? You know, does that mean if Kyle O'Reilly goes through? Does he, does he, probably not Darby Allen. Does that mean Paul Robinson's going to the semi final? I mean, I'd take it. Um, but they've laid it out in such a way that, to be honest, you know, I'm interested in those opening matches, but they've made it in that it, it actually, as a bracket, is is quite tough to call. Uh, a straightforward route to the final, except for, you know, maybe a Travis Banks or a David Starr, but even they'd be facing in the quarterfinals. So definitely added some intrigue for me there. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about Devlin as a, maybe a favourite to win the whole tournament, James. I mean, looking at that bracket, can you see that happening? Yeah, yeah. Um... 
I think he has an, an okay route to a semi-final when you, when you see that he's got Lucky Kid who isn't who's a big deal in XXW but not particularly like he's only just started in progress so I could yeah. see Jordan winning that and then he's against the winner of Kyle and Daga I mean Kyle's your tag team champion so you don't necessarily need him going deep in the tournament I really can't see Daga going too far in the tournament when yeah. he's, he's I think he's he's just a, a guy who would probably have a good match but isn't going to be going far so then you have Jordan in the semi-final and I like I really hope that that having done this promo and you know have star having done this that, that they actually do lean into that now and I just had a look at the brackets earlier and I wonder if we end up in a situation where we have star in the semi-finals with three WWE guys which totally which totally leans into what he's you know he, he the story he set up there you can see the promos coming out of that so like I could easily see say from obviously from his corner of the draw you have star from the top left corner there um maybe Ilya out of those four guys yeah and then Kyle O'Reilly from the top right and Jordan and I mean straight away then you've got star you know the story is made can he overcome these these WWE guys and you know he probably would be you know, this is me being a star fan by he he'd be my choice to win the whole thing, you know. But um that's just me. I don't know how you guys feel, but I I think that that's the story you can tell anyway, you know. That's one way you can go. It'd be a nice fast forward, wouldn't it? Because they should have been doing this with David Starr a year ago. They should have been doing this with David Starr two years ago when he was still yeah. tagging, tagging with Jack Sexsmith and had barely had a singles match in progress. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, it's ridiculous how little they've used him crazy isn't it but you've got the opportunity here to, yeah. to hit fast forward yeah. with them um you know yeah i think devlin is a good dark horse there too devlin's kind of you know it would fit the the progress model of uh booking someone to win super strong style who's essentially gotten over somewhere else uh, that would kind of yeah. work but fits for david star too doesn't it so yeah based on yeah, you made the good argument for devlin there and yeah i think there's a, a good argument for star there as well so i wouldn't wouldn't hate it if them two went all the way um but yeah i think if i if i was booking it i think you progress need big names right now uh, and they need to to hit reset and they need you know, some fresh fresh need to freshen up that, that that top of the card more than anything and yeah i think if you picked either of those men it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world yeah because and also i mean obviously there's we've talked about the david star hype video and there hasn't been that much hype going into super strong style 16 compared to other years but also the winner has been quite telegraphed uh you know especially on the first mm. three tournaments so it's interesting that you know it's quite an open field here and we are struggling to uh pick a possible winner so i suppose that makes it more interesting than previous winners when you knew it was going to be the likes of travis banks winning so uh yeah, certainly. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there'll be some fantastic matches over the weekend. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, watching the thing after it's finished uh, five to seven days later. But, um, <laughs> Times three. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, just uh, to wrap up the the show, uh, we've got some sad news. Uh, Chris Wolf, who featured heavily for Stardom in Japan and did a number of tours over here, appearing for OTT, WXW, Fight Club Pro, among other promotions, announced her retirement earlier this year, and uh, this p- past weekend she had a final show for Eve over in over here in the UK, and uh, the show was completely dedicated to her. Uh, it streamed live, but sadly with so much going on, I didn't have a chance to watch, so, uh, so maybe save that for a future episode. And uh, me and Benno discussed uh, Chris Wolf when she made her an announcement that she was retiring on a previous show, but Jamesy Wolf certainly had some great showings uh, over in the UK and uh, certainly in Ireland when she appeared for OTT. Yeah, she was she was in OTT. I think at least twice that I can remember off the top of my head. Um, 
And the great thing about Chris Wolf was you never needed to have seen a Chris Wolf match to mm. get Chris Wolf. The minute she walked out from behind the curtain, she's just just a complete joy. Just nothing but positivity. Um, never failed to get a crowd behind her. Um, it seems to be in a in a in an industry full of people who aren't very nice, seems to be a genuinely nice person who seems to be loved by all her colleagues and peers. Um and there's something nice about seeing somebody step away from wrestling with their health intact, um, you know, going on to do something else in their mm. life. I think a lot of people in the wrestling business are, are almost married to wrestling for the for the rest of their lives. You know what I mean? So it's nice to actually see somebody have a life beyond wrestling, leave the thing behind them, you know, with a smile on their face, happy that they did it and moving on to have another life now. And just wish her all the best, really. Just she was great. Absolutely loved her anytime she was ever over. Yeah, definitely, and obviously wish her well in her retirement. And um, before we head out of here, Jamesy, any plugs uh, this time around? Um, no, just my Twitter at Jamesy underscore twenty fifteen, and um, I have a review in the current issue of Fighting Spirit magazine of a game changer wrestling show from earlier in the year. So yeah, check that out. And Benno, um, you went more into depth on uh, for the Fiddle of the Wrestling uh, convention on on this past week's Grapple, didn't you? Yeah, that's it. If you want the uh, the bonus material of uh, of me at the uh, the after party and the pub after the show, you can get that too there. Uh, the censored version, though, maybe I'll uh, I'll tell the uncensored version uh, <laughs> one day. Uh, but that's all. Uh, yeah, my uh, grapple spotlight podcast that I do uh, every Monday with Joe and JP. You might hear it on this show uh, where we talk Brit Res, but we also talk uh, wrestling from around the world. Uh, pretty much everything we've watched both, to be honest, wrestling and otherwise uh, in a given week. So, yeah, you can check that out every Monday. Follow the Grapple app on Twitter and follow me at Benson Richard E. Yeah, and um, Joe and JP certainly went to a very interesting uh, family show, didn't they, uh, this past <laughs> week? Uh, so definitely check out the podcast to hear all about that. And, <laughs> of course, uh, forum.postwrestling.com. Uh, leave your feedback for this week's show. And we're back on the 15th of May. Uh, James, are you away on holiday or are you going anywhere nice? Uh, just no staying in Ireland, just down to West Cork. Um, my my dad is from Cork, and he has some brothers who still live down there. So we usually take the kids down there for an annual visit, just to see them and check in with them. And hopefully now it looks like the weather is starting to pick up here this weekend. So with a bit of luck, we'll get some nice weather. And no nicer place to be in the world than West Cork when the sun is shining. It's a beautiful place. Excellent, good stuff. Um, obviously, me and Benno will be back. Um, hopefully, with reviews of a uh, super strong style sixteen and uh, Red Pros return to York Hall with Epic Encounter. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>